Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of 2 Peter. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working through the book of 2 Peter. Hope you've been enjoying it so far. We are a couple weeks behind, but this will be our last episode on this book of the Bible. Then we're heading into the book of Jonah for a few weeks And that will probably take us right to the summertime. That's right, folks. Spring is in the air. It's a beautiful day that I'm recording this here in Ontario. We're in lockdown number three, but we're still focusing on God's word, keeping our eyes on the prize and not getting too involved in all that's going on. Just keep our eyes on Jesus as we work through the scriptures and study together. If you're new to Precept and uh, you stumbled across across this podcast, somebody shared it with you or you've been listening regularly, you should get involved in a training workshop with us. If you're brand new and you've never been involved in inductive Bible study before, you should look at taking essentials of inductive Bible study. This will teach you all of the simple skills of how to get into God's word and learn for yourself. We teach observation, interpretation, and application working through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you're looking to further your skills in inductive study, why not participate in how to study a New Testament letter, how to study Old Testament prophecy, or Old Testament history? Great training workshops to teach you how to study God's word on your own. Maybe you've already attended a workshop and you want to get involved in an online class. Visit our website, preceptministries.ca again. Click on the classes link and find out more about classes that you can get involved in. We have classes going right through the summer this year in every level of study. From no homework to five hours a week homework, you decide what you want to participate in. My group right now, we're working through the book of Daniel. So exciting to dig into that uh, with a number of people. We just added a second class that's now being offered on Thursday evenings because the demand is so high and the morning class is full. There's no more room in that class. Let me pray and then we're going to dig into uh, this passage, 2 Peter chapter 3. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to to walk through the text. Lord, I pray as we look at these vital verses to wrap up this letter that you would 
work in our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, that we would learn more about you. Father, we pray for those who are listening. We thank you that they are taking the time to do so, that they would be equipped and encouraged, that uh, we would go out and we would share these truths with those who need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're coming into this passage, and I have to tell you, I have been waiting for chapter 3 for weeks upon weeks. It's my favorite chapter of all the chapters in this letter. Here's why. There's some controversy in here. There's some great stuff in here. And there's also a very challenging couple of verses that we'll look at in what scholars uh, believe on either end of these. It can change you know, you're thinking it might might challenge you a little bit, but we'll see. All right, so let's walk through. We've come through, remember, that this whole letter is a reminder. This is Peter's last letter to, to the believers, and he wants them to constantly remember the truths that he has given to them, the truths from Jesus Christ, the gospel, and all the teachings of how to live out their faith for when Jesus returns. So this is all about, look, this is my last letter, guys. And I want you to remember, whether I'm alive or I'm gone, all of the teachings, the true teachings, don't fall into the trap of false teachers. They are, they're going to be coming. They secretly introduce destructive heresies. Their purpose is that of the devil. Don't fall for it. Don't get involved in it. Be aware, be on guard, be alert. That's Peter's message through this whole letter so far. Chapter 3 I have summarized this as the uh, chapter as standing firm on God's promises. All right, so standing firm on God's promises. We're going to break down this into two sections. The first section is going to be verses 1 to 10, and the second is going to be 11 to 18. So the first is going to be verses 1 to 10, 11 to 18. The first point is the certainty of the day of the Lord. Now, I can only think about uh, one thing when I've taught this passage a number of times, is what would happen if you were walking down the street and you saw a man holding a sign? And in my town, we see this a lot now with people making these cardboard signs because they're homeless and they're asking for money at the stoplights. So they're holding a sign and it says, Behold, Jesus is coming. So you see that sign, and, and you might think to them, Oh, well, what's going on? You know, uh, like in baseball, they, you see people always use 316. They might put the player's name instead of John, but the point is, the sign is pointing to John 316. So you see this person, and they're holding uh, the sign that says, Behold, Jesus is coming. And then, then you walk a little bit further down or you drive a little bit further down, you see another person holding a sign that says, the end is near. Now, the one holding the sign that says the end is near, you might be starting to question to them, well, hey, this guy might be, something's going on with this guy. Maybe he's, maybe he's crazy or something. How does he know the end is near? And what end is he talking about? Then you see one more person with another billboard sign holding it up and it says, are you prepared to meet your God? So now you, you've walked through. You've seen that first sign that gets your attention. Behold, Jesus is coming. 
The second sign, the end is near. Then the third sign is, are you prepared to meet your God? This is the whole purpose of this letter. And what we're pulling out is the very fact that Jesus is coming. The end is near. Are you prepared to meet your God? Peter wants them to be ready. So what he tells us is that these false teachers were coming, that they were involved, that they were going to preach a false gospel, that they needed to ignore that. And then he tells us about another group of people in the first 10 verses. This other group of people uh, would be referred to as mockers and scoffers. So as, as we can be assured of the word of God. Remember, we've walked through these points before. You, you can be assured of the word of God. That was the second episode that we walked through. We can also be assured that God is going to judge. We also can now hold on to the certainty and be assured that the day of the Lord is going to come. All right, so we're not going to dive deep into the day of the Lord and the specifics of the day of the Lord. You can go and listen to the Second Thessalonians podcast if you want to pull in that as well, because it's a lot of it will end up being repeated. We we actually came into Second Peter with the Second Thessalonians podcast, and so vice versa, we would be going into Second Thessalonians. It's easier just to go grab that that uh, download or or listen to it. All right, so here's what we're going to look at. Verse 1 of chapter 3. This now, beloved, uh, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up uh, in you a sincere mind by the way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Did you hear it three times? Either remember or bring to mind, stir up. Ah, the memories, you know. Ah, I was just thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I was out with a with a friend, and we were we were doing some walking. I bent over to tie my shoe, and I forgot my age for a minute. I was like, "Oh man, I think I'm I'm turning forty something, forty forty something uh, this year." And and he turned and said, "No, no, you're turning forty 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 something else." And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Right through this whole coronavirus, I forgot that I'm actually a year older than I really am. So. Right now, I'm, I'm, as I said to Jessica, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. Wait a second here. What happened? I lost a whole, lost a whole uh, a year, basically. So what he's doing is he's desiring to bring back to mind. I think, and I, that's what I was doing. I was thinking back and I was pondering to all those things that were so good about my childhood. I started watching on, on TV the, the Chips. Remember Chips, California Highway Patrol, the policemen on the bikes? Ah, oh, reminiscing of the old Peter wants them to remember the things that they were taught beforehand, that the prophets spoke to them, that Peter gave to them, and that Jesus did. Remember, these are, he was an eyewitness, as we'll see, to what had happened. All right, so that's the whole point of this letter. Remember, remind, and stir up. Verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. And they're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Okay, so we've got in here, we've got this, another, this third group of people, which are the mockers and the scoffers. And Peter tells us what they are mocking about. They're actually mocking the word of God. All right. The way that they're mocking the word of God is they're questioning where is 
Jesus. I thought you said he was going to return. That's what they're, they're going and mocking. And it tells us a time frame of when this is happening. All right, so this is happening in the last days. All right, so if you've not studied prophecy or you've not uh, walked through to understand what we're referring to in the last days, you can go back and you can check out the Hebrews podcast as well. But I'm going to do with a timeline with you. So if you are not driving in your car right now or you're not running down the street listening to this, but if you're sitting at home, get a piece of paper and we'll draw a timeline. And we're going to lay out when the last days are. All right, so at one end of the timeline, so you've got a, a line running across your paper, you're going to draw an arrow coming down from the top of the paper. And you are going to put on the top of that arrow the first coming of Jesus. If you want to get really, you know, detailed in the timeline, you could even draw a manger with a baby in it. That's up to you. You, you decide whether you want to do that or not. And you can put the scripture reference as Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 tells us about the birth of Jesus Christ. Then we have the ministry of Jesus. All right, so kicking off the ministry of Jesus, uh, in the next kind of section of the timeline, you're going to draw a cloud, all right? You're going to draw a cloud in the sky, and on the timeline, and I have a really good, just by the way, to pause for a moment, I have this really well drawn out. If you would like this timeline emailed to you, you can email us at info at preceptministries.ca and we'll send it to you. All right, you can, you can get a copy of it and see what we're talking about here in a, in a more visual way. If you're drawing it out, you've got a cloud in the sky. Then on the timeline, you are going to have a mountain. And on that mountain, you are going to put three people. All right, you're going to put three people up in the clouds. You've got Moses and Elijah and you have um, the angel, okay? So you've got the Father going to be speaking. Then down off the mountain, you're going to have, um, or sorry, you're going to have Jesus up in the cloud. So in, you'll have the cloud, and then on the mountain, you'll have Moses, Elijah, and Jesus shining bright. Then you'll have the three disciples there watching this take place. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 8. And this is where... God confirms the deity of Jesus Christ. You have his birth, Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 17. You have um, uh, verses 1 to 8. You have the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, confirmation of his deity. Then the next part of the timeline, you will have the cross, and that is Matthew chapter 27. And then after the cross, you will have an arrow going up, which is Jesus' ascension, and that is Acts chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4. Then finally, you're going to have a cloud with an arrow coming down, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, referring to Jesus' second coming. The last days begin when Jesus comes on earth, and it will end when he returns. So that whole time frame of everything we've laid out on that timeline is the last days. This is what Peter is talking about. We are in the last days right now because Jesus has not returned. 
So he says, in the last days, mockers and scoffers are going to come, and they are going to be mocking about when is this second coming going to happen. And then Peter is going to address it in verse 5. All right, he says, um, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice by that the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment of destruction of the ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like uh, one day. But um, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So what we have here is we have these people who are questioning God's word, like we've said. So what Peter is doing is he is saying, you know, what escapes the notice of these mockers and scoffers, I mean, they're really out there kind of mocking what's happening. I'm thinking about the world that we're living in today and, and the, how we're mocked for our faith and made fun of. And I, I remember when I first started running with a group of guys, they didn't want <clears throat> they didn't want to run with me because I was going to talk about Jesus all the time and they would mock me behind my back and and now I have one one uh, really great friend who I run with and he um, asked me all kinds of questions so it starts with mocking and then moved moved to questioning and it's, it's been an encouraging time for me I'm very I'm very excited and look forward to the opportunities that we have uh, to get together and do that in verse 5 it tells us that these mockers and scoffers when they continue to maintain that God's word is not true that God is not faithful to his promises it escapes their notice that the same voice, the same voice that promises God's return or Jesus' return is the same voice that spoke creation into existence. It's the same person who brought judgment on the earth through the flood of the world. And what he's talking about here in verse 7 is, as by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. It means that God has this all in place. His plan is in place to bring judgment down on the world for, for their sin. But right now, he's holding that back. He's holding it back through these last days for what purpose? What's the purpose? Why is he holding it back? So more people will come into the kingdom until God has all his people aligned. Those who will be saved, he is going to reserve that. <clears throat> You'll see what Peter says here. He says that um, his promises, and don't let it escape you, that as sure as God's word is and his promises are, that in the eyes of God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Now, this verse right here, just to address it by itself, we have people who don't believe in a, in a literal six-day creation and a seventh-day God rested. <clears throat> people use 
this passage here and they say, well, you see that a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. Therefore, every day of creation was actually 1,000 years. And so it took 6,000 years to uh, create and then there was not, it was all done and there was rest on the 7th. Uh, they aligned this and I remember having a, a student intern who was uh, working with me at one time and he would say, well, you know, I don't really believe in a literal six-day creation because uh, when I plant a tree, it doesn't come into full growth uh, for a number of years. It, it goes from a seed into a sapling and then it continues to grow. So a thousand years for creation, for trees to, to, fully, to fully grow and build and, and be ready makes way more sense to my, to my eye and to, to what I see than to believe that God created the earth in six days. Well, here's the thing. We're, we're talking about God here. We're talking about God who he told Abraham and Sarah that nothing is too impossible for him to do. For a woman who was barren and almost 90 years old to have a baby. And so the same God who spoke creation into existence is reserving what he has for this earth, which is destruction for a time. And what we view in our time is not the same view that God has for his time. That's what the verse is telling us, that God is going to do it in his time and not in our time. This is hard for us to wrestle with, not just for the coming of Jesus, but in anything. The world that we live in right now, the world that we participate in, allows us to have instant gratification through material things. It's not like we have to wait anymore. Just speaking of reminiscing, I was thinking about the days just with my the guy I run with just last weekend about the, the store consumer uh, distributors. I think that was the name of it, consumer distributors. And anyway, if I get the store close, I think we'll be okay. But I remember going there with my with my mom and my 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 sister. And if you wanted something, you would fill out the little order form. And when you filled out the order form, you would give it to the to the lady and she would take it and she would you would pay and then you would wait. You know, the anticipation. I don't know where that where that woman went, but she always went into the back room, and it, I can only imagine what the back room looked like. But you waited in anticipation, and next thing you know, what comes out? That brand new shiny toy ready for you. Oh, how exciting it was to see that, right? Oh, man, I just filled out that paper. I paid for it, and it, and it came to me. Uh, the same gratification is felt today by, by things like Amazon. When, when Amazon first started, you'd have to wait a couple days. Now you can get it the next day. Like you can order it and it tells you. What Amazon does to get you to purchase is they tell you the time in which it will take to get you. If you order in the next 13 hours and 15 minutes, you can have this tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I have to hurry up. 15 if I get it within 15 hours, I can have it tomorrow. That's the gratification of the world. That's not having the patience. You know, we, we can satisfy ourselves with those things really quickly. But 
what, what here, what God is offering and what God is bringing, uh, it's being held back for us right now. And as we are going to see further into Peter, there's a reason it's being held, fat, held back and why we should be thankful that it's being held back. But it's being reserved for the proper time. <clears throat> Judgment is coming. You can be assured and be certain that the day of the Lord is coming, but it's being held back right now. And so that's the important thing we need to know is that for all that we see going on, the Lord is holding back his judgment. He says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come, or verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He, why is he holding it back? He's holding it back. He's keeping everything back for us. Why? Because he wants his people to turn to him. He wants his people to have a heart that is in full-on pursuit of him. This, in these last days, is an opportunity for repentance. I have been, you know, sitting at home <clears throat> dealing with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic and just trying to get over this virus myself, and I'm still struggling to this day as I'm recording this and trying to do this without getting out of breath and coughing like crazy, all of that stuff. Reading a ton of books and watching different uh, shows on what's happening in the culture around us. And I've, I've got a, another book I want to encourage you to read. And it is Erwin uh, Lutzer, uh, We Will Not Be Silenced. It breaks down what's happening in the culture today. And just looking at how people... Are, are abandoning the truth of God's word, the truth that we know uh, we can count on, which is the, God of, uh, the word of God. And they are going for a truth that is fully based on emotion, on a truth that's based on how they feel in the moment. And I've mentioned that a number of times. But this is burdening me beyond belief. My heart is burning for the very fact that so many people are being deceived by their feelings and not aligning things to the truth. People are changing their sexual, um, you know, gender based on feelings. I feel like I'm the opposite sex. This is, this is some crazy things that are happening in the world today that I'm looking back, and this is why I was saying to my friend, I can't believe I'm 40. Have I become that point in my life where at 40, I, I begin to really notice the change, the change in what's going on in our culture that it alarms me. Have I been in the world long enough to realize that there is a huge change occurring? And in this time, more and more people are abandoning truth and walking away for truth than feelings. But what God wants and what he's holding back and reserving the judgment for is repentance and return to truth. <clears throat> this is why it is so vital for you and I to be in God's word and not be deceived what's been happening with what's happening around us. You see, the whole problem is that the pressure comes. This whole cancel culture that we're in the middle of is if you speak out on something, like, hey, if this podcast gets out there, maybe I'll end up being trying to be canceled. But the matter is, when you stand for truth, people want to cancel you because it goes against the way they feel. Well, God promises 
All right? This is not something that can be hidden. God promises a day of judgment and destruction for the unrighteous. But right now, in the last days, he's holding it back. He's reserving it so that people will return and repent. He's not slow about his promise. His promise, it's coming. You can be assured of it. You can be certain of the day of the Lord coming. But God is holding it back for his people to repent and return. Verse 10, but the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Listen, this is the description, all right? The description of this day of destruction, everything is going to be gone. That everything we work for in this world, all the instant gratification that we get when Amazon or consumer distributing brings the package to you, everything that we build up, all the bank accounts, all the money, all the RSPs, all the the, uh, 401ks, whatever it is, all of that stuff in the long run will be rubbish. It will be ashes in the fire. Gone. When? I can't tell you the date. But it's much like when the thief comes at night. You don't know when the robber's coming. Uh, Jesus used the same analogies in the book of Matthew when it comes to his return. It's going to come when you're not ready. And we can look at the world today And why should we be in shock? If you really truly know the word of God, why are you in shock at this culture change? Why are you in shock that people are pursuing emotions over truth? Why are you in shock that rioting is happening in the streets? You see, the Bible tells us that before the day of destruction Lawlessness will increase. Rebellion will grow even greater. When? In the last days. We're in the last days. Each and every day we inch closer to God's coming judgment on this earth. Well, what we know is that day is coming. We can be certain of it. Verses 11 to 18 is the second point. And this is all about the sanctification of God's people. This is being ready for that coming day. All right, now, we're about to get into some of my most favorite verses in this passage. And I promise you, we're going we're gonna to kind of rock the boat a little bit, okay? We'll rock the boat, but we won't fall out. All right, so verses 11 uh, down to 18. It says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth, which righteousness dwells. All right, so I want to look closer at uh, verses 11 and 12. I mean, I want to look a lot closer I promise you, all right, this is the warning. The warning that's coming right now is that you are either going to be like, he's off his rocker, 
or you're going to be like, I totally agree with that. All right, so here's, here's where we go. Verse 11 says, all these things are to be destroyed in this way. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's the question, okay? Here's what we're supposed to do. How does one live in light of the coming day of destruction? So that's what we're looking at right now. Let's see. How do we live, okay, in holy conduct and godliness? We need to be people who are living out chapter 1. All of the qualities of Christ that are mentioned in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, we need to be living those things out. Growing, you know, in knowledge, self-control, you can list them all out. Because he tells us in chapter 1, how do you be assured of your salvation? How do you be assured of being a partaker in the inheritance? Well, you do that by living in this way. Of course, repent, believe, receive. That's at the heart of it. But then you have the sanctification process. That chapter one, all those things that we are to do are a part of the sanctification process. We, we covered that in week one. So now he tells us that not only are we to live a godly lifestyle, but we're also to look for and hasten the coming day of destruction or the coming day of God. All right. So here is uh, something that we're going to walk through now and uh, very interesting. So first, two things. One, if you're looking at your scripture, you're probably thinking to yourself, in verse 10, it says day of the Lord. And in verse 12, it says the coming day of God. Let me break these out for you. Okay, the day of the Lord refers to judgment and destruction. And the Old Testament prophets pointed to the day of the Lord as a removal of sin from the earth. All right, that's the day of the Lord. So Old Testament prophets uh, spoke about it, wrote about it, taught about it, and that was about the removal of sin from the earth. The day of God also taught, but that refers to which a new heaven and a new earth are now in place and righteousness dwells. All right, so if you were to kind of wrestle through what that would look in a timeline, I would encourage you to study the book of Revelation. I'm going to be walking through in an online class starting in September 2021, the book of Revelation. You can sign up and join the online class. Uh, work through Daniel first. So you got all summer to work through the book of Daniel. All right, so the day of the Lord is talking about a refining and removal of sin the day of God is talking about the, the coming of a new heavens and a new earth. Now look at what the believers are supposed to be doing. They are to be looking for and hastening the coming day of God. What are we doing? We are people living on uh, this earth, which is a marred creation filled with sin. We want Jesus Christ to come back. When Jesus Christ comes back, when the world is um, sin is removed, the new heavens and the new earth come, and we will dwell with the Lord forever. We're talking Revelation chapter 5, how amazing it will be, all right? 
Um, this time is what we are looking for. Philippians 3.20 tells us our citizenship is in heaven. We're just sojourners on this earth. We don't want to be here forever. We want to be looking for this new heaven and new earth, this new resur resurrected body, as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, the imperishable. This is what we are looking forward to as believers. Now, the interesting part about these verses has scholars kind of in an argument and debate over. All right, so verse 12 tells us that we can look for, okay, look for that coming or hasten it. So let me give you the Greek. Uh, look for can be translated as earnestly desire. Hastening can be translated as accelerate. It's, hasten is the Greek word spudo, not speedo, not the bathing suit, spudo. All right, so spudo means to, to accelerate or speed up. Some scholars believe that these verses tell us that both looking for and hastening is one phrase, and that means to earnestly desire the coming day of God. Okay, to be hopeful and wait for it and look for it and, and be excited for when it's coming. Okay, earnestly desire. Oh, I cannot wait for that day to come. Kind of like young children on Christmas Eve waiting for Christmas morning. I cannot wait to get that, uh, to be in heaven with them. Okay, so some scholars believe that. Other scholars see this as two phrases. All right, other scholars believe that looking for is to earnestly desire and hasten is to accelerate the day of God. Speed it up, all right? Give you two examples of where hastening is used in Scripture that you can go back and look at for yourself. One is with Zacchaeus, when Jesus tells Zacchaeus to hurry and come from the tree. It's the same Greek word uh, from moving from point A to point B quickly. The other is when Paul is rushed out of Thessalonica and he's sent to Berea, uh, moving from one place to another quickly. So going from a point A to point B rather fast. So is Peter telling us that we can earnestly desire, we can look for that time when the day of God can come, and we can speed it up by our holy conduct and godliness? Now, we can sit on the fence, and you, you might be sitting here going, okay, this is the time I'm going to turn this off now. I don't want to get into this anymore because... I don't have any control over, as a human being, over the coming of Jesus Christ. That day was set long ago, and if it's September 21st, 2035, that's the day that it is. And so God is sitting on his throne waiting for September 21st, 2035. I've, I've done that. that that's it. My, my theology wraps me around the fact that God has that day in place. All right? That, some of you may, may sit there and you might be like, I'm comfortable right in that spot right there. I don't want to get out of that comfort zone of it's that day. <clears throat> Others, all right, I'm going to give you just a quick thought about this. I'm not trying to sway you either way, but I want you to think about both ends. 
when we walk through the scriptures and we look at the scriptures on a regular basis and when we get to know God and his word, I would challenge you that isn't God not just sitting on his throne waiting for September 21st, 3035? Maybe that is the day that he's going to come. But do you believe that God interacts with his creation? That God constantly searches the heart of man? That as God searches the heart of man, he sees whether the heart is good or bad? And then he acts. Let me give you an example of this uh, found in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, we have um, the world has come to the point where it is very evil. I mean, this is in the very beginning. And listen to what we have in these verses. It says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, that daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took their wives, they took wives for themselves, whoever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever, because he is flesh nevertheless. We looked at this when we were walking through the false teachers. All right, so uh, verse 4, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters, men bore children to them, those who were mighty men, who were of old men of renown. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 tells us that God interacts with his creation. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord saw that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And he uh, said, I'll blot out man whom I created from the face of the earth from man to animals to creeping things and birds to the sky, I'm sorry I have made them. What did God do? God looked at the heart. And I really believe, and I think I said this in the previous podcast, I think that this was it. That as God interacts with his creation, he saw that even angels left their proper abode to choose a sinful creation of earth over that of God and his, cre- and his heavens. That that was it that God had to wipe out the world and start again. Why? Because there was not one righteous, well, Noah, there was Noah and his family, but we need to start again. That the earth was far gone. The hearts of the men were not going to turn back to God. Uh, Abraham, in his his debate with with, uh, God over Sodom and Gomorrah, if just one righteous man were to be found, would you change and not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God said, yeah, if there is, I won't do it. Well, there's another example of God really knowing the heart. There was no change there. Uh, the book of Jonah that we're going to look at. Jonah is called to repent to, to Nineveh, the Assyrians, who are enemies. He's called to go and tell them of coming judgment. God sees that repentance in the lives of those who hear Jonah's message. And God relents on his judgment for the time. So if God interacts with his creation, and he's not just sitting on his throne 
twiddling his thumbs, waiting for September 21st, 3035, that if God is constantly searching the hearts of man and looking for whether the heart of man is evil or the heart of man is good, and he's looking for those of his who elect who are coming to Jesus Christ, then is it possible that the way that we could hasten the coming day of Jesus Christ is by participating in the work of the gospel in a world that so desperately needs it. That we could preach the gospel and transform lives by the power of his word that more and more people would come to Christ. And you know what? Even in God and his sovereignty, he even knows that day but to know that we are active participants in preparing for that day through the gospel. Wouldn't you want to do it? Wouldn't you want to be out there populating heaven and plundering hell? I like to look at this passage and say, you know what, I do have a part in ushering in the day of God. It's not that I can change God's mind on when that's going to happen. Only he knows when that's going to happen. But I play a part in this. You play a part in this. And that is by populating heaven and plundering hell with the gospel. By taking the gospel out. Look for it. Wait for it. Earnestly desire it. Speed it up by doing the work of the kingdom. These are, these are the challenges for us. Verse 13 says, According to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth which righteousness dwells. Are you looking forward to it? Are you? Are you looking forward to it? I had the opportunity of preaching on Easter Sunday in a church, talking about the perishable and the imperishable of 1 Corinthians 15 verses 50 to 58, and came to the conclusion that, you know what, there are some people in this world that do not want the imperishable body. The reason they don't want it is because they're too comfortable with all the things that they have here on this earth. Are you looking forward to it? Can you not wait to get out of there? Just the other day, I thought to myself, man, my shoelaces are so far down to the ground. How am I ever going to get down there and tie them? This broken body of mine, at 40-something, it's starting to fall apart. I'm looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. I cannot wait to sit at the feet of Jesus, to walk streets of gold, to worship and praise. I shared this in the letter that we sent out through precept over the Easter weekend, but Jessica and I had the opportunity to go to Israel a few years ago, and we got to sit at the garden tomb on Easter morning sunrise. The sun is rising up over the tomb. We are sitting with multiple nations from all around the world singing in Christ alone. For me, in that moment, it was a snippet of heaven. I never thought about the imperfect world that was around us, I looked at the empty tomb, knew that Jesus defeated death, sin, and death. But I was with people from all around the world. We were singing one song, and everybody was singing it in their own language. 
It was amazing. I was hearing people sing in multiple languages to the same key strokes of the guitar and the, you know, the strums of the guitar and the key strokes of the piano. The music sounded the same, but everybody was singing in their own language. I said to Jessica, this is heaven. This is what heaven will be like. All nations singing praise to the one who defeated sin and death. Cannot wait to get there. We're supposed to be looking for it, waiting for it, excited for it, doing the work of the kingdom until that time comes. Verse 14 says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent. You need to be diligent as you look. Don't get sucked into the culture around you. Keep your eyes focused on the things to come. Be diligent to be found in him by peace, spotless and blameless. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just also as our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote, also in his letters, speaking these things in which some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, so as they do also the rest of Scripture for their own destruction. Regard the patience. What's this patience we're talking about? It goes back to the beginning in those first 10 verses that God is holding back destruction. Take that patience and be thankful for it. Take it as salvation, that it's an opportunity for those to be rescued from that wrath that is to come. Do you thank God for holding back that judgment? Hold back knowing that even my life, I was plundered from hell and will participate in heaven because of the patience of God. It's absolutely amazing. Here's how he ends the whole letter. This is the challenge for you as we wrap up. You therefore, beloved, know this beforehand, be on guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Be on guard. Be alert. Pay attention. In the Garden of Eden, Satan, as a serpent, walked up to Eve and said, let me have a conversation with you. Did God really say that? In thousands of years, Satan has not changed a single tactic. He preys on your weaknesses so you need to firm up those weaknesses and strengthen them through study of the word of God. Be on guard. Don't fall for it. We're living in the age of disinformation. So be informed. Pay attention to the truth. Not what you feel is true, but what God says is true. Don't be carried away by the false teachers. And trust me, there are a ton of them out there and there's still more to come. 
And he says in verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I put in the margin of my Bible here, you have never arrived. It's a slight little reminder that we continually need to keep studying God's word. Keep growing in sanctification. Keep being challenged. When we defeat one sin and we think we got a handle on it, the Holy Spirit should be pointing out a new sin that you need to get a handle on. Grow, 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 study, study, study. Continue to get a fuller knowledge of who God is and how he works. That's the challenge right here. Keep growing. Can you imagine this? Peter in his last words. The last words he's ever going to speak are in this letter. I want you to remember all that I've taught you. And even though I'm gone, keep growing. There's much more to learn. That's the challenge for you as well. Don't just listen to the podcast. Don't just listen to the sermons of men on iTunes or whatever location these are. Get into the Word. Use the inductive Bible study method. Observe, interpret, apply. Study God's Word for yourself and grow. I promise you, when you commit to it, you will see transformation. Get out and do that. Be people who keep their focus on what's coming and what's not and not what's happening in the present. What's happening in the present is important. Looking at how our culture is being transformed into misinformation, disinformation, untruth, based on feelings, not based on science, not based on God's word, all of that is happening in this world. But don't get focused on that because it's all a part of the preparation for the coming day of the Lord. God's people are going to be refined. They're going to be refined by what they know, who they know, what truth they know, and how they live it out. Continue to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for the challenging words that come from your scripture. Thank you for the words from Peter that they call us to have a mind focused on the heavenly. Father, I was so challenged this week in just reading that less than 17% of Christians view the world through a biblical worldview. Father, that breaks my heart to know that there are so many people that don't understand the truth of your word that proclaim to be Christian, that when this day comes, they won't be ready. Help us to be diligent, to be on guard and be alert, to be ready for your coming, to be excited about your coming, to have great joy in knowing that 
our death here on this earth will lead to eternity with you. Life, Lord. True life. One not marred by the sin of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca. 